Welcome to Succeed in A&P. We are a podcast focused on you, the A&P instructor. We want to build a community of sharing ideas and best practices in anatomy and physiology for the success of students everywhere. I'm Valerie Kramer, your host and the marketing manager for A&P here at McGraw-Hill, and I'm very excited today to introduce Dr. Bill Hoover, who I have had the privilege to work with on different projects and is an instructor at Bunker Hill Community College, and I think you're really going to enjoy talking with him and hearing from him today. So welcome, Bill. I know this isn't your first time on the podcast. Ah, no, it's not. Thank you, Valerie. Um, I believe it's about my third or fourth time uh, giving a Succeed in A&P podcast, and it's truly an honor to be here with you today. Fantastic. So Bill has done some really amazing work for us at McGraw-Hill using his expertise in both pedagogy and anatomy and physiology. And so just, Bill, kick us off and share a little bit about yourself, including your background. And I love the story about how you got into teaching and and moved from being an MD into teaching. So share a little bit with us. Yeah, you know, it was was quite an exciting uh, start, you know, to medicine. And I just kept feeling myself being drawn more and more to the teaching side of things. And so um, I offered to teach uh, a lot of the new medical students, um, you know, whenever they were first coming in. And then, um, you know, McGraw-Hill had approached me and said, you know, we are thinking of this new movement from print to digital. And do you have any ideas? And I said, oh, boy, do I have lots of ideas because I, you know, I know my students love to have more of a hands-on learning environment. So I did a lot of digital pedagogical research, you know, saying, you know, McGraw-Hill would bring me one of the learning CDs and say, what do you think of this? You know, isn't it awesome? You know, I'd say, well, some of it is and some of it's a little painful. And But more importantly, I just wanted to record whether or not students were getting something out of it. You know, so if they were investing an hour of their time, was there a return on their investment? And so when I started to see that there were certain things that, you know, paid off for the students, you know, and others that did not, you know, I started recording that and um, sharing that information with McGraw-Hill. And then McGraw-Hill said, well, why don't we start to partner and team together and see if we can build some, you know, really cool learning uh, solutions, you know, for students as they travel through A&P. Yes, and it's been a really fun ride. So well, I know just in my time, it's a really great partnership. So in general, what excites you just about A&P in general? You know, I love A&P because it's sort of like the foundation of everything in terms of, you know, life sciences. So even if a student decides not to go into nursing or occupational therapy or respiratory therapy, they have a working knowledge that they can be an advocate, you know, for a family member. You know, if they know that there's a problem with the pancreas, well, then they say, well, do they have you know, diabetes, you know, or is it cancer, you know, and because it's very vascular, you know, that's very risky, you know, they, they at least have some background knowledge and, and they can take that and keep that with them forever. So again, I think anatomy and physiology is sort of a course that everyone can benefit from even whenever they leave and even if they never pursue, you know, a career that, that needs it. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a life skill when you think of it that way. Absolutely. So as an instructor, I know you have a teaching philosophy and digital is really important to you. So what would be your digital or your teaching philosophy, just an, an overview if you could put it into words? Well, I, I guess my teaching philosophy would begin with, I want my students to be engaged and excited most every single time. Now we know that students aren't gonna be happy all of the time whenever they have work to do, but I really want them to be engaged and excited. If they, you know, um, 
come in and all they're doing is listening to me talk, that's not very engaging. You know, but if I put something up on a whiteboard that requires, you know, students to interact with it, you know, meaning that it's a, you know, it's a learning activity, maybe at the neuromuscular junction and, you know, the voltage gated channels open and then I say, okay, now what happens next? I would much rather than hear them say, well, the sodium is going to move from the outside to the inside of the cell. I'd really much rather have one of the students come up to the whiteboard and say, grab the molecules that you think are going to move and use your hand and pass them through the voltage gated channels. Because now, number one, they're engaged. Number two, they have to identify where was the outside and where was the inside based on the concentration gradient. So they're learning even though they don't realize it and they're having fun at the same time. So, you know, my teaching philosophy is if I can get them engaged and excited, they're more likely to retain it and put it into long-term memory. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So one of the projects, as you mentioned earlier, that you've helped us with at McGraw-Hill is our brand new Smartbook 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get involved in the project and how does your philosophy that you mentioned really fit into the creation of Smartbook 2.0? Well, you know, it actually began with Smartbook 1.0, you know, in its creation. And, you know, although it wasn't perfect, there were some fantastic features. And I'll share briefly, you know, what really excited me about Smartbook 1.0. Number one, you know, we were never able to require a student to read. We would say it would be great if you would read this chapter before you come to class. And the only students who would read it were the students who were getting the A's and the B's in the class. The students who really needed to read wouldn't read. But boy, as soon as you were able to put a point value next to the questions that are associated with the reading, and again, we started out with just Bloom's Level 1 and 2, memorization and understanding questions, but it's sort of like those pedagogical questions at the end of a section. Before you go on, please answer these few questions and see if you know what you're talking about. But it was required because it was part of the course and it was for points, and believe me, students will do anything for points. (laughs) But what was even more exciting than just assigning it as a reading assignment was the remediation that was involved. You know, there's an actual heat map that um, lives behind the smart book, which means that every time a, a student or a faculty member challenges a question or challenges one of the activities, that information then um, fits into a threshold. And if, let's say the threshold is 500 times this concept has been challenged or this question or activity has been challenged, we know, number one, as authors, that, well, maybe it wasn't the best way to describe it. Maybe we need a kinesthetic activity. Maybe we need a little video tutorial. Maybe we need a learning animation. Maybe we need all of those. And so that whenever we see the students start answering those questions consistently because they've had that extra help, which again, it becomes an actionable learning item in the learning moment. So when the student is struggling, they should have something there. Instead of having to go to YouTube or Wikipedia and search for 15 or 20 minutes and still not find what they're looking for, I call that the flea market effect. You know, why would you go to the flea market, you know, to try to find something if you needed it quickly? Um, You would spend too much time. So I love the fact that Smartbook, you know, took all of those needs of a student, you know, um, you need to read, so they got it done. You need help whenever you don't understand something, it was there. It also gave them the opportunity to have those actionable items to say, hey, active learning says if you don't know something, go get the information. And it allowed them to go get that information and digest it. You know, and if one um, type didn't work, they had others that were available. Yes, and it goes back to the engaging the student. Absolutely. Just, yes. 
gets them a little bit more excited to read versus, you know, just opening the book and <laughs> great. Absolutely. So we currently have Smartbook 2.0 and all of our 2020 copyrights that came to market just last year or this year. We're still in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and this upcoming year we'll have more including the ninth edition of Saladin's Two Semester. And I know you utilize that book. So um, are you excited? And what are the main differences between the Smartbook 1 and the new version? So again, I think everyone was excited about Smartbook 1.0, but of course, just like an Apple product, you want more. You know, every time you get these features, you want more features. And so one of the things that um, me as an instructor says, you know, I want to become more granular with the learning outcomes, meaning that, you know, a typical chapter might have 10 to 15 learning outcomes, but to be quite honest, there are tiny little granular learning outcomes that help the master learning outcomes. Um, and I wanted to be able to assign based on the granularity rather than just saying one overwhelming sweeping um, learning outcome. And so now in Smartbook 2.0, we get down to the conceptual level of assigning. So I have the freedom as an instructor to go in and say, you know what, I don't need all of these concepts. These are the concepts that I'm teaching for the types of students and you know the vocations that they're going into. I can become very specific now with what I'm assigning. The second thing that was really important to me was that I could require, for the first time, I could require a review, which means that when I gave the original assignment in SmartBook 1.0, when the student completed it, let's say for chapter one, but we didn't have a test until um, after chapter five, they all had 100% on chapter one, but then whenever it came time for the test, chapters one and two, they didn't recall a lot of the content. And of course, I would tell them to go back and do the recharge and to review that, that information, but they just didn't do it. But now, once again, four points, I can say, all right, here is one type of an assignment, which is a basic review based on the lecture you're going to get in class. But the follow-up assignment, I can actually assign a review over multiple chapters, not just one chapter at a time. I can take all five of those chapters and say, here's the must-have pieces of information that if you're going to do well on this test, you need to know. And I think from my students' perspective, they are extremely excited about that because they said, you know, five chapters, 60 pages, that's 300 pages of material. Where do we begin to know on a 75 to 100 question test? What do we know to study? What if we leave out the things that you think are most important? Well, now they get a true study guide where they have to go in and review that information and they can review it over and over and over again. Well, again, in my golf game, if I want my you know short game to improve, what do I do? I go out and I chip and I chip and I chip and I putt and I putt and I putt. So I practice over and over and over again, and that's what my students can do over multiple chapters now, which we could never do that before in SmartBook 1.0. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I love the, um, the true study guide because <laughs> we all want a study guide. Yes. I, I remember in school that was the main thing that, that I needed. Well, so there's just too much information, analogy. Valerie. I mean, think about it. 300 right. pages, right? I mean, and if you're taking only 100 items out of 300 pages, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, 
you can see why they want a study guide. And I always say, if they're willing to do the work, I say the best helping hand's at the end of your own wrist. So if you're willing to go out there and put in you know, the labor and study, then you should earn a decent grade. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So we talked about the granularity and a review for requiring the recharge. Are there any other major changes in Smart Yes, one of the greatest features. Um, I used to love the reports in SmartBook 1.0. And you know the reports told me so much information. It told me things like metacognitive skills. You know, like a, you know, is a student's perception matching the reality of what they think they know? You know, students would come in saying, "Yeah, I'm going to crush this test. I'm really prepared," but then they would fail it. Well, they could get that granular metacognition on a regular basis, but you had to pull the report. The students had to pull the report. Now, instead of all of these individual reports, like you know, most frequently missed questions report, there's an actionable dashboard. And so I think everyone knows how to use dashboards because they're simplified. They, they bring together a bunch of special features. So let's say a student says, you know, well, how did I do in this chapter? Oh, well, here's the questions that you missed most frequently. And whenever they click on that dashboard, it will actually show them the remediation items that are associated with it. Whereas before, it would only show them the questions. Then they would have to go back in and read, search out all of those actionable items that you know provided remediation. And they would just say, hey, I don't have enough time for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's all consolidated in that dashboard. And the instructor also gets that actionable dashboard. If I say, who are the students that are not you know, doing their work? I can pull that up with one click. You know, If I can say, well, let me create a small assignment for each of them, I can do that with one click. So the dashboard just makes all of that data that typically wasn't getting used, used. Oh, wow, so much more efficient. Yes, absolutely. Great. Well, that's really important, as you mentioned, with the vast amount of content in A&P to be able to, to do all of those things. So if an instructor were to just be implementing SmartBook for the first time, or maybe they've used it, but they they need some advice on how to use it more efficiently or better, what advice would you give them? I would say, number one, try it as a student first. You know, meaning... Let, let one of uh, you know one of your peers create a short assignment for you, maybe you know a 10 or 15 minute reading assignment, and let you try it as, as a student would so that you could take advantage of all of the self-help features that are available, the actionable items for remediation, because students won't know to use those things unless you guide them. I mean, you are sort of their you know, anatomical and physiological god. So if it comes out of your mouth and you tell them that it's helpful, they're more than likely going to do it. You know, so I would say that would be number one. But number two, you know, wade into the waters kind of slowly in a sense and know that the overall purpose of a smart book product is not to uh, make a student get an A on a test. It's really to do two things. One, with the review assignments, you're going to cover a shallow but broad amount of material and make sure that your students know something before they come to lecture so that you assign that prior to the lecture. And number two, you use the recharge, you know, or um, that type of assignment for whenever you are going to give your big exams. So that once again, you're not just handing students the answers. You're not giving them questions and then looking up the answers and memorizing them. They actually have to go in and do the assignment and become competent with that content before they step in and take your exam. So those two assignments, I would say, feel very comfortable 
you know, in delivering uh, whenever you start using SmartBook. Mm -hmm. Great advice. So on that note of advice and recommendations, you often talk a lot about quality matters and how important it is. Um, why is it important? And tell us a little bit about how that fits with SmartBook 2.0 as well. Sure. So quality matters um, actually stemmed from the U.S. Department of Education. Back in the day, maybe 20 years ago, whenever the first, you know, um, at home courses, you know, uh, or truly what they were considering online courses um, occurred, they basically said, well, if we're going to be giving financial aid to those individuals who are going to be taking these courses, we want to make sure they're getting their money's worth. So what is it that is paramount, you know, to um, having a good course? And so if you want to boil, you know, quality matters down, they have what we call a rubric. And the rubric says that you start out with a learning outcome, one individual learning outcome, and there might be 15 or 20, you know, that you're using per chapter. You take that one individual learning outcome and you tie it to a learning resource, which means that if you say, I want you to understand diffusion, well, it's not enough to just say that. You have to give them a reading assignment, a little um, learning animation or a video tutorial, and say, this is what you know, diffusion is all about. So that's the learning resource. The third piece is a formative assessment where you say, okay, what if I add more sugar on this side you know, of a divider that's semi-permeable? You know, in which direction will the water go? And they have to manipulate and, you know, and, and work with and make mistakes and do that in a way that you know, they're not being penalized, that they can continually try it over and over and over again until they get the concept. That's what we call a formative assessment. So we have the learning outcome, the learning resource, a formative slash homework assignment, and then finally we also tie that to a quiz, you know, or an exam. You know, so all four of those have to be in alignment because it's not fair to a student to test them over something that we didn't introduce the concepts about, you know, with the learning resource and that we didn't let them practice it. It's just not fair and we won't get a true assessment of what their knowledge is. So that's why Quality Matters puts those four pieces together, you know, individually for each concept. And that's basically the premise on which SmartBook 2.0 was built. We've become so granular with each of the concepts and each of the questions or probes that are associated with them and the activities and the learning resources, the actionable items that the student and the faculty members can use from the dashboard that we have all of those Quality Matters features built into the product. Oh, it's so exciting. This product is really exciting and I'm really excited for all of our books to have, have it involved. And this is a really great explanation. Bill has told me about Quality Matters before, but now that he's broken it down into these four pieces, I can really understand it a lot better. So thank you for that. Sure. So just to switch gears and ask you some fun questions, um, if you could change one thing about science education, what would that be? Boy, I think what I would love to change is the recipe. Meaning, I don't want it to just be a recipe. I don't want there to just be check boxes of, okay, the student read. Okay, the student, you know, performed this dissection. Um, because those are like recipes. All you do is you follow the, you know, the rules and you follow the steps. But did you really learn anything from it? So I would love to see more competency-based, you know, activities. Meaning if you said, okay, you know, I want you to follow a bolus of food from the time it enters your mouth until the time it leaves, you know, your rectum, then you could follow each of those structures and they would have to dissect out those structures. And while they're doing the dissections, talk about what contribution each of those organs makes to the digestive process. And so students would then be able to engage and get more excited, but also 
have the ability to show competency. And that might not happen on the very first try. That might require multiple tries. And that's what I love about digital is that leading up to the actual dissection, we can give them simulations. So if you would liken this to a pilot, you know, a, th there, there aren't enough flights for new pilots to actually sit behind the cockpit and, you know, have stick time, if you will. But if you give them a simulation and they fly, you know, 300 flights in inclement weather or rain or snow before they actually get in the plane, then they're pretty well prepared. And they won't have to have as many as those behind the cockpit or stick time experiences to be able to master it. So I think that's where, you know, we can complement, you know, what we're learning with the digital tools. It's never going to take the place of, you know, the actual activity itself, but it can, you know, it can make it easier for the student to transition. Yeah, that's a great analogy too of the pilot. I love it. Um, so I just love hearing your insights to A&P and our products and looking forward to Smartbook 2.0 in more of our titles. And are there any last words you'd like to leave us with? I feel like we could talk with you all day on all, all topics, Bill. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think what I would love to leave you with is just to be open and to, you know, as instructors, I think we should be open to the possibilities of what we can do with digital. Not to say, is it good or is it bad? Does it accomplish what they say it is? No, it's, it's, it's to take it like a lump of clay and say, what would I do with this digital tool? And how would I teach with this product? And how would my students benefit if I incorporated? And, you know, make it a labor of love. Make it something that you can say, boy, you know, I never thought about breaking down, you know, let's say a interactive, you know, type activity into a teaching lesson in front of the class. But if I can, you know, start a video, stop the video, and then ask the questions, you know, that I want, or have the students come up to, you know, the board and be engaged, you know, while we're doing it, we, we take something that was, you know, probably never thought of as being helpful in other ways and just realizing that there are so many other uses for it. Um, and then we share that with each other, which means then our students benefit from it. So I think if we, you know, that's what I would like to see us do, yes. you know, as a community of educators. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Bill. And back to school is just around the corner. <laughs> I cannot believe how fast the summer has gone. Too fast. Yes. So thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to Succeed in A&P. And if you like this episode, please leave us a review. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for more A&P advice and inspiration.